Welcome to the Breathe Podcast, where we explore the intersection of faith and creativity. We interview artists from all walks of life to discover how faith plays a role in their art and expression, hoping to encourage you to live a life of creativity and faith. And now, please welcome your co-hosts, Derek Engoy, Christian Mendoza, and Kevin Horton. Yup, yup. Welcome back to the Breathe Faith and Creativity Podcast. My name is Derek, founder and co-host of the show. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Before we dive in, don't forget to check us out on Instagram at breathe.podcast. That's at breathe.podcast on IG. You can also jump on our website at breathepodcast.us where you can check out all of our back episodes. And if you want to support what we're doing, head on over to our Patreon page, patreon.com forward slash Derek Engoy, my first and last name. And, you know, our show is listener supported and your contributions go toward all of the administrative costs uh, that go into producing our podcast as well as equipment maintenance and all that other good stuff. And all of the links are in our show notes. So thanks ahead of time for all of your love and support. All right. Uh, we got a double header for you today. Uh, we have what I would affectionately call a power couple doing wonderful things in the greater Los Angeles area and beyond. On one hand, we have a business owner and a designer. And then on the other hand, we have a sports broadcaster. Amy is the founder of a company that reinvents pet living one design at a time uh, called Kind Tail Company or Co. And Yogi uh, is a broadcasting journalist for the Pac-12 Conference. They have two wonderful kids together and live here in Los Angeles, California. It truly is my pleasure to welcome to the show Yogi and Amy. Guys, thank you so much for joining us today. Really appreciate it. How's it going? Good. Um, thank you for having us. And this is like a new format for us, the couple podcast. Yeah. <laughs> how it goes. Yeah, we have a couple, uh, well, people that we've interviewed in the past are also, you know, they have significant others. We might have to make it a mainstay on our show here. <laughs> Let's go. Hey, really quickly, icebreaker question for the both of you. When you can find a babysitter, uh, what would you describe as your perfect date other than being on this podcast at this time? <laughs> perfect night. Um, sorry. No, nah, you're good. Um, I think for me, it would be like a day date. You know, um, I remember early on, we had a date early on. We both rode our bicycles to the beach uh-huh. and had a picnic. Um, so if I could do that again, because typically when we have babysitters, it's always at night. Yeah. But I, I just want like a full day. Totally. <laughs> you know, I was thinking the same thing, like take our bikes out, but put a surfboard on one of the sides to a little rack. Yeah. Go to the beach, get in the water, get a bite to eat, have a couple drinks, hang out, laugh a lot. That would be an ideal day right now. That's awesome. Uh, so let's start off real basic. This is both of your bio moments, you know, just maybe a brief, I don't know, tell us a little bit about um, both of your upbringings, how you guys met maybe, um, you know, and since this show is also about faith and creativity, maybe you can talk a little bit about um, how creativity intertwines uh, in your lives. Um, talk about how you guys met. I mean, simply put, who are Amy and Yogi? Okay. Um, so I can start. I'm a Korean immigrant. I immigrated when I was eight years old and I grew up in Orange County and I always loved art. So then I've um, pursued art since I was a kid. And once I got to the best art school in California, um, Art Center in Pasadena, mm-hmm. I realized that you can design cars. So then I switched my major um, and then I was 
I graduated and I started designing cars. And as I was evolving in my career, I realized that um, I wanted to design products that had a shorter shelf life. Like a car is about like five to 10 years. Mm -hmm. You work on a project for two to three years and I wanted to shorten that process. And so I started designing electronics. Um, I worked on the Xbox, Xbox controller and then Procter & Gamble and more consumer goods. And then that's when I got my dog monkey. And I realized that there's a huge gap in the pet industry for better design pet products. Okay. So I launched kind tail and then, um, I've been, you know, growing my company since. And, um, I can, yeah, my husband could take on the next yeah. part. Yeah. We'll go and into all the nuts and yeah. bolts with kind tail in a little bit, but yeah. What about yeah. you, Yogi? Who is Yogi? Yeah. So I grew up in a tiny little town, the son of a refugee from the Middle East. So I grew up kind of with this understanding of like, dude, you got it really good mm-hmm. and don't miss out on that. And my whole life revolved and still kind of revolves around a ball or play. Mm-hmm. And I like to say now my position on planet earth is to seek and uncover the humanity and sport around the globe yeah. within Pac-12 football, wherever I get to be, I want to dive in and unearth that. And when I really peel back the layers, I've been doing that since I was our oldest Zane's age. He's mm-hmm. seven. I was calling my own games in the backyard. Wow. I would tune into the NBA finals to watch the open of the game. Cause I loved the drama and the story and the features that were made. So I was always around it. Yeah. Never realized that it could be a job. It could be a career. It could be a passion. And once I did, when I was in my, I think I was a sophomore in college. I was about 19. I was like, I want to do this mm. for the rest of my life. So now my life revolves around college football story and the leader of all that is obviously Amy and and our two kids. Yeah, that's great. Um, Speaking of Amy, let's, let's dive into Kindtail a little bit. Um, You know, you had mentioned that you wanted to design a product or products that were a little bit more conducive, a little bit better than what that, you know, the market was currently offering. Can you talk to us a little bit about the inspiration behind the entire company? Like when did the company start? I mean, what's your overall vision for it moving forward too? Um, so I went through something difficult while I was pregnant and my dog monkey saved my life. Mm. So I know the importance of a pet and a human relationship and how that can truly change your life. Um, so I started kind tail and then named the kind tail because it's about being kind to animals and animals being kind to humans. And when I got my dog monkey, I was trying to collapse this wire crate and I hurt my finger mm. and I thought, gosh, there has to be something better out there. And I looked the, uh, I mean, I scoured the end of the internet and I couldn't find anything. So that's when a light bulb went on and I said, oh, I'll design this crate for my dog. And then I set out to design the best crate there is. So our crate is very beautiful. It's collapsible and it's lightweight. So it doesn't have the sharp edges and corners. And, um, you know, it truly fits the our consumer's lifestyle, mm-hmm. which is like it, they want to be with their dog 24-7. So they're on the go. So the crate itself is portable and um, you can take it with you. So your pet has a home wherever you go. Mm-hmm. And as we're, we were growing the company, we launched a few more products, which still has the same um, value, which is that it's portable and it's beautiful. And so it's functional pet products that is um, beautiful. Yeah. I love the company's philosophy, right? Be kind to pets and people. Tell us a little bit about that and how that came to be. Yeah. So, I mean, we have such deep relationships with our pets. You know, I call monkey my firstborn (laughs) um, because he truly is my first baby. And I know that a lot of pet, uh, I mean, 
pet owners have that relationship with their pet. So it's really important that we design products that allows us to show our affection for our dog. So we're, you know, pet crates, it's very common. It looks like a gel cell. And when we put our pets in it, like it doesn't make us feel good, Mm -hmm. you know? And when you think about putting your actual baby in something like that, like you wouldn't do that. So why would we put our pets in that sort of um, product? So that's when, you know, it, I realized that we got to do better for our pets. That's great. And so what is, let's say, for instance, the crate, what is it made out of? Um, so the small version is made out of ABS plastic. And then the bigger one is made from polypropylene plastic. Mm. Um, they're both BPA free and, um, like free of any toxins. That's great. Um, now is that as far as like sturdiness, let's say you had like a pit bull in there for, for whatever reason, is that thing going to chew through your, your products or how's that work? So we only have a small and a medium size. They're both for dogs that are under 30 pounds. Okay. So we haven't had a pit bull in there. Mm-hmm. And that's, I think that's going forward as we launch more sizes. That's one of the biggest challenges, you know, because of course, plastic is called plastic for a reason, yeah. you know? And so then, um, yeah, I think it's just like working through those challenges Mm, but then I guess that's, that's why design exists because you're trying to solve a problem, mm-hmm. you know? And so then there's always the back and forth of like, like trying to figure out the solution and then, um, and then, but having it like be beautiful for your eye. And so there's always a back and forth. Yeah, that's great. So speaking of back and forth, let's tag team this a little bit. Yogi, let's switch over to you. Uh, we'll get back to you, Amy, but uh, Pac-12, uh, tell us a little bit about how you got into that. I know you mentioned that you went to you know school, you got into broadcasting, right? Yeah. Well, I'll say what's fun about me and broadcasting is that I've been doing it forever. Right. When I hear Amy talk, what's so fun is that she's been creating forever. Mm-hmm. I like, I can only imagine what you were like with Legos as a kid or whatever <laughs> your parents gave you to piece together when you were our kids age to, cause to watch kids now, and you know, cause you have your own, like you see the connecting moments yeah. in their lives and the catalytic moments of when it grabs you, mm-hmm. right? Like our oldest loves to build, not surprised, right? It's from Amy. Yeah. So for me, my catalytic moment was, I can remember being in fourth grade and my dream was to play in the NBA. Mm-hmm. I wanted to play for the 76ers. Right. And my coach at the time, I remember his name, I won't say it, but he said, Hey, everybody, Yogi's going to go get his MBA. Mm. And I said, no, 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 coach, I'm going to go play in the NBA. (laughs) And he said, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he laughed at me and he goes, no, he's going to get his MBA. And we went back and forth and I was 10 years old Mm -hmm. as as you have a 10 year old. And that was the first time anybody ever said to me, I won't do what I dream of doing. Mm. I grew up in a town of 2,500 people, no stoplights, but basically three other friends. And every morning when we would roll the ball out, it was who's Jordan, who's bird, who's magic, who's Barkley. Yeah. Like you are a pro. Right. So I say that for me and my broadcasting career, like once I got shot down at 10 years old, I was like, all right, well, how can I communicate to something and not get my dream shattered? So I began to write, I began to journal and I've journaled ever since. And I say that because that's my form of expression. It's probably my purest form. It eventually transformed into this, right? Utilizing your voice, utilizing other forms of modalities of communication, but it started for me at 10 of like, I have to express to whom and how TBD, but it ended up finding its way to a broadcast booth in front of 70, 80,000 fans every weekend. And, you know, a couple million possibly watching. And and, and I love that because it's a form of performance. 
of competing on a big stage. And what I tell myself before every performance is, Yogi, your only job is to celebrate the game yeah. and coach the viewer. That's great. You ever go back to those old journals? You still have yeah. them? Yeah, I still have them. And like, they're embarrassing on a bunch of levels, <laughs> right? Because like, go back to your 19-year-old self in college when like your first girlfriend dumped you or you failed an exam or you're not getting the shot that you thought that you deserved playing. And I, I say that now because I, I mentor a lot of those kids at the same age. Yeah. A big part of my job isn't just to call the games, but it's to be immersed in the game and immersed in the people who play it. So it, it helps me rem- remember relatively what it was like yeah. then now. And I think every athlete at every stage at 16, at 18, as a freshman, as a junior at 21, like you have this maturity that you think you have. And as we all learn, it could be at 30, 35. Now we're both 40. Like, we realized five years ago, we knew nothing. Right. And at 19, we thought we knew everything. Yep. So it, it's all relative in that regard. But those things, they keep me honest and hopefully keep me connected. Yeah, that's great. You mentioned a, a few of the top tier athletes that I also admired growing up. Uh, what would you say is the most inspirational athlete that you've interviewed uh, and why? Unless, of course, you've interviewed Magic or Jordan or <laughs> Bird. Yeah, I didn't. I never interviewed any of the four that I referenced. Yeah. I've interviewed a lot of people, like from Joe Montana to Jerry Rice, right in the, in the football realm. Um, I've interviewed Elgin Baylor to, you know, Dr. J in basketball. I mean, I, I'm kind of just doing it now in my brain. Yeah. Um, the most impressive people to me that I connect with are often the greatest listeners. Mm. Honestly, like you can tell when you're sitting down with somebody if they have something they want to express or if they're really thoughtful. Right. And I, I probably net out of like, I do a high school camp called the elite 11 mm-hmm. and a lot of premier athletes sons have been through this now. And I can remember one of my first years doing it, it was Joe Montana's kid and Wayne Gretzky's kid at the same camp. Wow. And I'm the talent right on the show. And they're like, yo, you got to go get the interview. I don't even know how to ask anybody for an interview, but I went over there and they did a great job of just l- listening and, and kind of sitting back on their heels a little bit mm-hmm. and saying, all right, let this guy come with this question. I'm going to be really thoughtful as a father. And, and I, I've always remembered those types of moments, Jerry Rice, same way. Um, you know, a- any of the greats in that regard are usually great for a bunch of reasons, not just how they played, but they have a certain demeanor to themselves of how they handle every scenario. Right. You know, my greatest mentor is Pete Carroll. Wow. And yeah. he was yeah. that way. He is that way now of just sitting back, listening is his greatest skill and making you feel hurt. Mm-hmm. And, and I hope that I, I, I hope that's the number one thing my kids say about me is he, I felt seen and heard as a child and as a teenager and as a young adult and as a future parent or partner or whatever they may end up becoming. And I think that's one of the biggest things for the elites out there that you interview, like, do they make you feel hurt? Yeah. And can I make them feel hurt with my follow-up question when I sit down with them? Uh, for either of you and both of you can answer this, what would you say is the biggest challenge in your field of expertise and how do you deal with those challenges? Um, for me, I, I guess it's the, the, the doubt, mm. you know, the self-talk. Um, because, you know, I, I remember when I first started, I was selling like one crate a day and I said, wow, like I can't, can't I can't imagine if I sold like 10 a day. Mm. Right. And then, but and then after I sold 10, I'm like, I can't imagine if I sold hundred a day. Yeah. And so then your goalpost keeps on moving, but then all, along that, those accomplishments, like your doubts get bigger and bigger because you know, your fall is much greater. So then it's, um, and you know, like Yogi and I talk about this all the time. It's, it's about like talking through your doubts 
mm-hmm. you know, and I've come to realize like, okay, whatever that's going on in my head isn't what's really real. Mm-hmm. So then when I have these moments and, uh, you know, I meditate quite a bit and I have awareness of these internal voices. So when I have those voices, like what is my reply to that voice? What is my answer? Mm-hmm. Um, so that's been the, the most challenging and like the, the part that I'm always working on is the replying to myself yeah. <laughs> internally. Yeah. Yeah. I think that crosses over to so many professions, um, including mine, right. Mm-hmm. As a broadcaster, which is two thirds of my life and a storyteller is the other area of my, of my bucket per se, as a broadcaster, I could get bounced any moment. I mean, you're a gig worker, right? Like, right. so they could say, well, uh, elite player retired, or we don't like your hair or your voice isn't good enough or whatever it may be. Um, so I think it's just getting to that moment, meeting it and moving through it. Mm-hmm. And I think as a young broadcaster, I know I was so, I was so competitive with proving to everyone that I was the smartest guy in the room. Right. And I had a producer who's still my producer and a guy I call family named Michael Molinari. He pulled me aside after I called USC, Utah. This is probably 2012. Mm-hmm. And I coach at USC. As I referenced, Coach Carroll's my mentor when I was at SC under him. So going to the Coliseum and calling a game was like a dream. I overprepared. I was overly anxious. And I was not myself in the broadcast. It was my by far the worst broadcast in 15 plus years of doing this. Mm. And at the end of the day, he pulled me aside in the truck. He said, hey, you're the only one in the entire stadium that has a microphone. Mm. Whose title is the analyst. You're already the smartest guy in the room. Right. There's only two people that have microphones, the play-by-play guy and you. So just let it flow. Yeah. Trust your preparation. Really, you know, to use the overused phrase, like be where your feet are. Feel connected to every moment. Compete to listen like your life depends on it. So I think the overanalytical side of all of us and the monkey mind in all of us, especially in broadcasting where you're literally year to year, yeah. Um, yeah. totally is a challenge. And now it's about, especially being older of, and you know, with this, with kids, like you don't got time to worry about that. Yeah. So I think having a family is much better because now you're like, what is the task? What is the preparation? Let's go crush it mm-hmm. and let's move on to the next one. Yeah. And, and that's really what it has to be. So you can be fully connected to the people that you love most. Yeah. Uh, let's dive a little bit deeper, uh, given that this podcast is uh, kind of trying to find the intersection between faith and creativity. Amy, you had mentioned meditation a little bit. I'm not sure what your faith background for the both of you is, whether you have one or not. Uh, But what we try to do with a lot of our guests is try to find where that road crosses and how does uh, your faith and whatever you guys prescribe to, how does that cross over into your creativity and and how does that play a role in terms of uh, intertwining with one another and what you guys do? faith is a huge word, right? I think for us, we live and operate with a strong sense of faith in terms of karmically what is going to happen Mm -hmm. in terms of what energy are we putting out there? What energy are we allowing in to our worlds? And for me, I come from a Jewish background, Mm -hmm. right? My mom grew up in the Middle East. 
her grandparents or her parents, my grandparents, both Holocaust survivors. Mm, And I think of their optimism amid all of their challenges allowed them to come out of the Holocaust, meet serendipitously on a train, share their collective stories and move forward, grow a family, eventually come to America, build a family and then watch those roots continue to grow. Mm -hmm. My faith as an individual was based largely in Judaism Mm -hmm but also around the idea of like what you put out there will come yeah. right. Faith and karma are legit. Mm-hmm. And I am not surprised one iota that my two grandparents met serendipitously on a, bu- on a train and my wife and I met serendipitously on a plane. Wow. Not surprised at all. So to me, faith, while it can be put in a variety of boxes and we know what that is, whether that's via the corporate world of religion or mm-hmm. that the spiritual realm in religion or that is no religion at all, but just having a faith in day-to-day operation. Either way, like you can cut through all of it and say, well, do you believe that good things are going to happen? Yeah. And what are you going to allow to enter into your world? And I think that's something that Amy and I, we talk about daily, mm. you know, if, if not more than that. And I think if you asked at least our oldest who can communicate with full sentences, he, the first thing he would say is like, yeah, dad, like that was good karma. Mm. That was good karma. And I think if there's one thing that I hope they both take is like, yeah, man, like what you put out into the world is going to come back on you yeah. in a way that you will never prepare for, but it will, it will show up in one form or the other. And, and that was Amy for me. She showed up for me yeah. at, at, at an age where I wasn't even prepared for that. And now look at, at where we are. Yeah, that's great. How about you, Amy? How would you uh, respond to that? I mean, there's a reason why we're married and we're happily right. married is because we have, we have the same belief system. Um, and I think core of it is, yes, like we do believe that there's something greater out there. We are not like, I I am not religious, but I believe that there's God. And then there's something bigger out there for us. Mm -hmm. Right. And then that faith, it keeps me grounded because when you look in the big picture, right? Like in this huge universe, we're just like a speck. Yeah whatever problem you have or whatever issue that you have, like mine's like, they didn't get the fulfillment, right? Do not, they didn't ship it out for the next 48 hours. Like, what are they doing? Like, it's such a small problem. Like in a big picture of things, it doesn't really matter. So then it gives you perspective. Mm -hmm. And every day I wake up and I meditate because I know that throughout the day, I'm going to have many of those moments where I feel like the world's going to be over. And then I'm going to be like, Oh my God, like so stressed out. And so, so in order to like, not amplify those voices and keep it, um, keep it in perspective, I have to know that there's something bigger, greater out there. And that my job on earth, isn't just to be this, to have this, you know, amazing company that grows exponentially every year, Mm -hmm. you know, my purpose is way bigger. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I think, you know, we, we, we both believe in karma and we are both practicing every day how to be better examples for our kids. Um, you know, it became very evident, I think, halfway through season one and then most of season two, if not all, that the show that we put together um, based on these interviews have become a platform for people as, as creatives, whether in your case, whether it be a storyteller or a designer, um, how creativity has helped uh, manage a sense of mental health 
Um, a mm. lot of the poets, a lot of uh, other designers, um, graffiti artists, rappers, and musicians, they all attest that their creativity has helped tremendously um, in dealing with their mental health, whether it be stresses, like you had mentioned, Amy, uh, depression for some. Um, how would you say in your area of creativity, um, how would you say it's helped you uh, deal with mental health if, if that's the case? Um, for me, it's um, cause I, for me, it's a lot of stress, just owning your own business. It's mm-hmm. like manic moments, right? Like highs are really high. Lows are really low. Yeah. And like, uh, I have like a quarterly breakdown with my husband, but as an artist, as a creative person, I truly believe that I saw this thing. Um, it's, this isn't my words. Um, it's from Elizabeth Gilbert. She wrote that when we, she writes, it comes through her. So mm-hmm. it's as if, it, it, like so when she's in flow state when this writing is coming through like she's just a vessel and this creativity is coming through her and I feel that you know I feel the same way sometimes when I have ideas mm-hmm. I feel that if I am a vessel of just carrying these ideas through yeah. um I don't have to put so much pressure on in creating those ideas like okay what's the next product why am I not going to come up with it because I think okay when it's ready, the idea is going to come through me and I'm just the vessel. And I love that process of yeah. thinking about this creativity as something that comes through you as opposed to you forcing it out of yourself. Yeah, that's huge. And so it, it takes me to a place where um, it allows me to be connected to my creativity and to truly enjoy it when it comes because I don't know when it will come back. Yeah. Um, but for me, that's been the case of just kind of changing the perspective on what creativity means for me. Um, it's not like a means to an end to like make my company like super successful, but right. I'm just the vessel carrying this idea through. And company is like a way that I kind of execute those ideas. That's great. How about you, Yogi? I, I'm I'm a I'm a huge fan of meeting your mental health and acknowledging it mm-hmm. right uh, my mom often worked with um people who had challenges in life she would often say she would tell them hey invite whatever that is into the room and then learn how to pet it mm. and i think for me what i've subscribed to without recognizing it since i was probably five and maybe younger was play therapy mm-hmm. right and that has become vogue over the last couple of years as a phrase and as a um domain in the uh, psychotherapy world but Truly play therapy to me is how I manage everything. Yeah. Fifth grade, Tara Steele dumped me on a piece of paper. I went and shot hoops for five hours, mm. right? Like my, I still do it now. Hey, what am I trying to work through? All right, let me go play. Let me go move. You know, my, my dad taught me this years ago. We walked to the Camino de Santiago, which you may, or some of your listeners may be familiar with. Right. It's one of the spiritual walks in the yeah. world. And that's, he, uh, like, that's in Europe, right? Somewhere. Yeah. That's yeah. in Spain. Spain. It ends up in the Northwest corner of Spain. Right. And, um, yeah. It, and it's magic. It's beautiful. I'm going to take my two kids when they're 14. They don't have a choice, but they're going to go for a long walk with dad. But what he taught me then, because he was going through, he had just beaten prostate cancer. And I took him on this walk because I wanted to explore his life. I ended up making a film about it. Wow. And every day we go through a different decade of his life. And I'll never forget halfway through, we crossed from Portugal into Spain. And he said this following quote, he said, Yogi, man is made to move and we move through things. Mm-hmm. And that has always stuck with me of like, okay, we can feel stuck, whether it's Amy with her distribution or something may happen in her company or me with the COVID year. Like I called one game. 
out of the studio. I didn't even go to a studio, right? We were both had to deal with furloughs and our own issues that we were managing, but you have to commit to moving through it. And that's why I love sports so much because the clock keeps ticking. Yeah. Right. The, the game does end or you get to the next one. Mm-hmm. And I've, I've loved that about sport, right? Nobody is a mortal. And right. even if you think you are at some point, you lose a game. I was a part of that at SC in football in the early 2000s, mm-hmm. rolled two straight national championships on our way to our third. We lose in the last 17 seconds to Texas and Vince Young. Yeah. It killed us. But then we came right back and we went and played. And, and I think there's something to that. And for me as an artist and a creative, um, I have to express to go through that. So express through sweat, express, express through movement, express through writing, as I referenced earlier. And what I get to do every weekend is I get to express with different tones on air. Yeah. And I get to get excited and get angry and get upset and talk about football. And so me, that has got a that's very cathartic on, on many, on many fronts. Yeah. That's great. Hey, so one of the final questions I have for the both of you, you guys are self-starters, you guys, you know, you own your business, you're, you know, um, self-employed, I guess you would say, uh, as a broadcast storyteller, what would you say to the person out there who's hesitant? Um, let's say they want to start their own business. Let's say they want to get into broadcasting or any form of storytelling, even if it's acting or whatever it might be, they're hesitant for whatever reason. Maybe they're afraid to move forward. What would you say to that person as a means to encourage them, like you were saying, uh, to move forward, but what would you say to them to, to take that first step? if they're afraid or hesitant to dive into whatever area that they're looking to dive into. For me is, I mean, cause I've been there, I've been the same. I had this, I sat on this idea of, of the crate for like three years before mm-hmm. I really started it. Um, do something every day, even if it's little, you know, just give your self sometimes say, you know what, I'm going to block out five minutes so I can just do research about what I want to start mm-hmm. or, you know, so then you increase that time. Cause in the beginning, it's really intimidating to say, Oh, I have to design a new crate that has a mold. That's 50,000. Where do I start? Like, yeah. don't do that. Right. So I, j- I just start to research on the internet five, 10 minutes a day. What's out there, you know? How is it being produced? Okay, that's all. And then every day you just add on and it seems like it's little, but over time, it's a lot. And that's Mm -hmm. what I've realized running my business is that the power and consistency in every day means so much more than, you know, just trying to make big, big moves one day. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, I I think... Uh, a mentor of mine named Kevin Carroll. He's an author, speaker. You'd love his book. It's called The Rules of the Red Rubber Ball. Yeah, one of the most he creative used to work for Nike, no? Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. This is the, the man. You know exactly. I all have about that book on my bookshelf back there. Dude, all right. Well, you need to get him on the show. <laughs> yeah. He's amazing. But Casey would always say, Yogi, pay attention to your intention. Like, just pay attention to it, man. Because if it's like, oh, man, like, tough, it's just not working for me. Or if it's, you know, I, I think I can, I can take a run at this thing, Yeah. whatever it may be to Amy's point, like every day, whatever it is, check in, right. There's a, there's a book that just came out. You might remember the name as I tell the story. I can't remember the author, but it was all about waking up every day, going to the mirror and giving yourself a high five. Mm. And the reason she said it is that she did a case study on three groups of kids. One group of kids, you'd go up to him, you'd say, Hey man, I loved what you did today in the game. Uh, you scored three goals. Congratulations. Next kid, you'd go up and say, I loved how you competed all day long. And the third one, you'd say nothing. You just give them a high five. Hmm. First one was outcome oriented. Second one was process oriented. Third one was just an affirmation. Yeah. 
And they found that in young children and teenagers, the affirmation dramatically, dramatically showed greater impact than the previous two in terms of long-term sustainable success and performance. So for adults and creatives who want to be an actor, you want to be a writer, you want to be a builder or whatever you want to be, you want to be a host is waking up every day and be like, what's up D? How you doing? Yeah. Even in the mirror. That's great. Something as simple and as subtle as that to me, to Amy's point is consistent. And the thing I always say to broadcasters and creatives is, is when I started, the internet was just getting going. You didn't have Facebook a lot. Mm -hmm. You couldn't create a podcast idea tonight and be on air tomorrow. Right. The, the burden to entry doesn't exist. And the amount of knowledge and wisdom that you may seek, it's abundant. Yeah. How do I start a podcast? Go to YouTube. Yeah. How do I write a script? Go to YouTube. How do I, whatever. How do I create yeah. a crate? Go to Kitel.com for a little plug. Right. But you see my <laughs> point on that. But I, I often say, pay attention to your intention. Give yourself a little bit of love every day. And remember that to get in the game, it's not hard. Yeah. And then start chipping away, as Amy said. And before you know it, boom, your company will grow from zero to thousands of crates a day, or your idea will go from zero to 20 million downloads a day. Who, who knows? Right. Regardless, you're in the game. Hey, thank you guys so much. We do a thing before we sign off. Uh, we've been doing it since the very beginning. We call it the lightning round. And I, I realize this is probably going to be a, a bit of a challenge. Usually it's one-on-one, but I got, I got two folks in front of me. So uh, we're going to see how it goes. What I do is I give you two choices and the first choice or whatever option that comes to your mind after I give you that choice, you guys just respond. So either Yogi, you can respond or Amy, you can respond. However, this is going to go. I'm not sure because again, it's, it's, it's usually one-on-one, but Hey, let's, let's see how it uh, pans out. You guys down to play. Yeah. Okay. Uh, you go first. Yeah. All right, here we go. Poodle or Husky? Uh, Poodle. Football or soccer? Football. Beach or mountains? Beach. Gatorade or Powerade? Gatorade. Oat milk or almond milk? Uh, Oat milk. Magic or bird? (laughs) Oh, magic. Just saw the show. Pitbull or bulldog? A bulldog. Park or gym? Park. Black and white or blue and yellow? Uh, Black and... White. Vanilla ice cream or chocolate? Vanilla. Boom. There it is, ladies and gentlemen. Lightning <laughs> round. Thank you so much for playing, Amy. I like how that turned out. Like like the, the, the choices that I came up with, I like how you guys went back and forth. And I, you guys didn't know what I was going to ask you. And it just so happened that many of these choices uh, related to both of your individual lives. It's kind of cool how it turned out yeah. that way. <laughs> cool. Well, hey, again, thank you so much for jumping on the pod today. Hey, really quickly, why don't both of you shout out your socials? How can people find you? How can people find what you guys are doing online? Um, we're on www.kindtail.com and on Instagram, we're kindtail, K-I-N-D-T-A-I-L, co-C-O. So you can find us there. Hey, man, I just want to first say it's been such a joy to get to know you. See yeah, you at likewise. the cafe. You're so kind to our kids, to us, to our dog. Like it, it is such a joy Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday to cruise through. <laughs> see you either on the way to school or on the way home. Yeah, uh, yeah. I wanted to make sure we said that because you didn't have to have us on. You could have anybody you want on the show. No, it's um, been no. Likewise, it's been a joy getting to know you guys. Um, and I just, I just love seeing your your faces um, and, and your smiles, of course, and your kids' smiles too. 
Um, Yogi, how can people find you online or social if they want to see some of your, I know that you have a podcast too. How can people connect with you in that sense? Yeah. You just go to yogiroth.com or find me at Yogi Roth on social media. My podcast is called the it factory where we take the helmet off of elite athletes and dive into what makes them tick. Matt Leinart comes up, uh, in our final episode of season one mm-hmm. and they're pretty timeless. So it's pretty cool. And then uh, I think your audience will like, I got a book coming out in July. Nice. called five-star QB. That is going to be kind of stories of advice for high, rec- you know, big time recruits, but also parents and everything in between. So I think it's going to be a lot of advice that people get and hopefully they'll be able to glean some of that on my social channels as well. Awesome. So like Amazon, I was going to say like yeah. borders and Barnes and Noble, but borders. Yeah. Like Amazon will be the place. <laughs> yeah. Um, Amazon is the only place. What, uh, what, come on. Yeah. 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 Well, hey, it was great having you guys on. Uh, For those listening, thank you for tuning in. Until next time, be the light, extend your hand in love, and make peace with someone this upcoming week. Stay blessed, and we'll catch you next time. Peace.